I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Adam Pendlebury. I'm Paul Thorpe. And I'm Charlie Keegan. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Good evening, chaps and people out there in podcast land. Welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. Got a little bit to look forward to in this particular episode. We're going to be previewing the Reading game. But before we do, Charlie's got a bit of good news for us from the under-21s and the under-18s. I do. Both of them played Peterborough uh, the other day on the same day. So I think it was both teams came up on the same coach from Peterborough. They dropped the under-18s off at Christopher Park, and then they went to the DW, dropped the under-21s off. And there was a an announcement went over the under-21s, and it was somebody named Barry Worthington saying, can the owner of the bus come and remove it? Because they blocked me in on my car. So Barry's just let me know that they blocked his car in, which I found quite funny. Under-18s, they went and beat Peterborough 6-1. I, I can't remember the names of the goal scorers. I think it was Cole Sims, Reese Greenhall, and Harrison Bettoni, I think. There are a lot of the under-18s, and I think Harrison Batoni is he scored quite a lot of goals. I saw a stat the other day, somebody saying he scored 41 in 50-odd games for the young ones, so he's doing really well. And then, yeah, Latics under-21s also beat Peterborough by five goals to one, so we battered them in both senses. So we're doing really well, and I think our under-21s have got five games in hand over Peterborough, and we're now uh, only like three points behind them in the table, so we beat them twice last year I think we beat them 2-0 both times and obviously we're beating them again this year which is is good to see especially as some of our under 21s have actually stepped up this year so it's good that we can keep that intensity up it was a good showing Max McMillan scored yeah Max, Max McMillan I think he got two goals I think Joe Adams got a goal and Abdi Sharif as well he's somebody that we saw he came on late for the uh, Wigan Athletic senior team actually on the left side I think it was in the cup game against Stockport I believe he came on and is a player that he's not quite been able to hit the heights of a Scott Smith and a Babradico and a Charlie Hughes but he has been called up to Somalia's national team this year and he's the next one that I think really needs to make a push he's 22 and he's still playing in the under 21 so it's it's going to have to be now or, now or never for him In terms of logistics of that congratulations for him travelling up together funny enough when it's the EFL Green weekend, we actually play Peter away. Obviously good for the carbon footprint that they've come up together. And I'll talk about this a lot more in the new year, Green football weekend. But it's something that we definitely need to be thinking of, particularly as I look out of my window and I can't work out what's going on with this weather. I mentioned Max McMillan though, Charlie, because you talked about him earlier in the season. Didn't we get him from Fleetwood? Yeah, he's been around a little bit. So I think he got released by Leeds at under-18 level, then went to Fleetwood. He got released there at under-21 level. And he's come to us now, and I don't think he's too far off double figures for goals in our under-21s. And uh, I've seen a couple of people who actually went to the DW and watched them play Peterborough, and they were saying that he was brilliant. So he's one to watch. I think he's only on a one-year contract, so I imagine it will get extended. I don't know how it works with the two-year scholarship, whether he can get that or whether it's just going to be he'll just get offered a professional contract at the end of the season. I'm not sure. Mm. We got Reading at the weekend. And uh, before we get into the preview, there's uh, been a bit of news this week regarding punishment to something that we're all too familiar with. Non-payment of wages, then non-payment of the owner putting a set amount into a bank account, which we picked up points deductions for. Uh, Reading's been fined 20 grand. Now, I'm not saying Reading should be deducted points, 
because I don't think they should. I think they've gone the right way. But it seems a little bit, well, unfair, really, that we should get points sanctioned whilst they get a fine. What do you make of it, Adam? Well, first of all, there isn't actually like the English courts uh, an official system of precedent, although generally speaking, previous judgments are actually persuasive. I haven't actually read anything into it. I suspect it's, there isn't a detailed analysis of the Reading case. It'll just be a statement the real infringement and what the sanction is. So it's difficult to know really like what was actually promised to the EFL, you know, like a suspended sentence really, having to put that bond down. I don't think it's just completely arbitrary, as a lot of people think. It's something I'll definitely have a more of a look into it ahead of a final podcast before Christmas on Sunday. I'll have a proper read up on it. What do you think, Charlie? Do you feel a bit aggrieved? I do feel a bit aggrieved, but I think that it's also quite common with the EFL that there are sometimes discrepancies between one club sanctions and another and when I saw that Redden I I don't want to say got away with but essentially got away with not getting another deduction and you go back to all the hammerings that Wigan got yeah I do feel a little bit aggrieved by it but I don't think there's anything we can do now the club aren't in a position where we can appeal anything I don't think and I don't think there's any point trying to chase the EFL for it. So unfortunately, it is what it is, but it shouldn't be. It is what it is. It's, it's, it's a frustrating situation. The appearance that it's one rule for one and one rule for another for what on the face of it is the same offence, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit frustrating that we got the points deduction, but in a way, it's a good job we did. Otherwise, we'd be chasing promotions. You know, we don't want to be going up <laughs> too soon, do we? Giving the other clubs a chance. We're going to have this late season surge now. We come storming up on the uh, on the rails. A guest. We've got a guest on from the Elm Park Royals, Matt Wansley, friend of the podcast, been on before. Over to you, Matt. Well, we start off our festive run on Saturday down at. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say down at Elm Park because I, I like the ring of that. And especially as I've got Matt with me from Elm Park Royals. How are you doing, Matt? All good. Just trying to block out everything Reading FC, but seemingly that's become the norm at the moment and everything around the club. But yeah, looking forward to Christmas. I hope, hope you are as well. Oh, very much so, Matt. I mean, we spoke last season, didn't we, and, and said no doubt we'll be meeting up this season. And <laughs> here we are. It, what, what was it? It was it was penultimate game, wasn't it? We pretty much relegated each other, so... We can um, we, we can reminisce over that. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to Sarah Turner, who's the head mm-hmm. of the Supporters Trust at Reading Star, as they're known. So I've, I've caught up a little bit with through Sarah on the goings on off the pitch. What I'd like to concentrate on, if, if it's all right, is the on the field matters. And the first thing I'd like to talk about is Ruben Sellis. Mm-hmm. How did you manage to bring him in, Premier League manager? It was an interesting one. It was originally, there was all the rumours about Chris Wilder, which again, if we'd have been able to bring him in somehow, that would have been astonishing. But kind of that that fizzled out. There was a number of things. Bowen ended up having to go on bereavement leave and then Chris Wilder ended up sniffing around Barnsley. And I think we pretty much said, well, if you want to go there, we'll end conversation with you here. And the, the name of Sellers then popped up. Um, but it didn't really go through until about a month after I think it was originally well he was originally kind of appointed kind of they they chosen him and set everything out because there was everything with HMRC and our lovely owner you know that kind of scuppered everything so he ended up coming in I think with about a week and a half or two weeks left of pre-season again which kind of ruined any pre-season that we could try to build and Ruben originally said that kind of you know this team will hopefully start to come on in the second half of the season the first start of the season is going to be tough which you'd expect having a pre-season has kind of kind of ruined as it was 
through external factors. But yeah, that that's kind of how it all all materialised. Um, and it was a bit of a slow start, really, under him, early doors. You had then a really bad run as kind of the off-field situation worsened. Um, he had a run of, I think it was about six or seven games where we lost all but one, I think, or so. And there was a lot of hostilities and he started to turn it around of late. He switched formations, gone from a 4-2-2-2 to a 4-1-4-1, pretty much. So going away from what he wanted to kind of do, but it's worked really quite well because the last five, seven games, really, we've actually started to play really well and against some good teams as well. We've obviously got a very good draw against Oxford, probably should have won that game. Point against Lincoln away, um, obviously at the weekend, really should have won that game. Um, Lincoln had, I think, two shots for the whole game. So as well as starting to pick wins up, one thing that was a big factor early in the season was losing late on. Again, we spoke about it before. I think we'd thrown away, I think it's about 16 points in the last five minutes of games. So from about 85 minutes onwards, that's not happened as much of late. If you take away, take out the Shrewsbury and kind of um, Eastley game, we've not looked like losing games at the end. And we've started to grind out draws and grind out results, which realistically we weren't doing early in the season and kind of is why we are where we are in the table. You lost some players from last season as well, and I suppose it's taken the new guys a little bit of time to, to settle in. I've got written down here, Nibs, Aziz, Wing and Smith uh, as my standout Reading players. Would you agree with that, or who else should we look out for? Yeah, no, very much so. I mean, Smith, he was injured in pre-season. He played his first pre-season match for us. He played the first half and then went off injured and had about a two, two and a half month injury um, to start the season. So he kind of was left out because of that wing as well. Wasn't injured, but he actually, I think he had a short term injury right at the start of the season, but he struggled to maybe settle um, in the team. But the last two months, kind of the last like eight, 10 games, he really is that key man in that midfield. The way he spreads play, controls it. He's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Wickham fans really loved him there and kind of everyone thought he was kind of one of the best in the division. I think we're really starting to see that now as well. Aziz on that right-hand side as well, fantastic. He's one that has split Reading fans' opinion for quite some time. It's taken a long time for kind of this to settle in. We've always thought there's a good player there because he's always in the right positions, but his decision-making, his final ball is all almost been worse than dreadful to put it bluntly but it's starting to come together now for him realistically yeah those three I'd say are our most influential players Nibs has been very good since coming in there and being moved more centrally in kind of a normal midfield role Abby as well at the back young centre-back came in obviously circumstantially he's still got a lot to learn as a player but you can see again there's there's a lot of good things in him he's got a lot of pace often can then recover those little mistakes he makes but um, but yeah, Abby's definitely I'd chuck in as one to one to watch, being just a a young player to to kind of excite fans. And you're talking there about Aziz coming on this. Is it this season? Would you put that into Sellers as coaching, perhaps? Definitely, yeah. Because what Reading fans wanted to see more of Aziz last season under Ince, but Ince famously said that you know he along with a number of other players weren't weren't ready and never gave him the chance when he did get a chance he was almost playing it like a left wing back role which just isn't going to work um so he was almost being set up to fail pretty much in that i think certainly the persistence and confidence sellers has put in aziz has probably helped him because i think a lot of managers might have just cut with him earlier in the season a lot of reading fans wanted sellers to kind of cut and run at that point because it just it didn't seem to be working he was frustrating he was frustrating to watch he was kind of not doing the right things in key situations. And that then led to scenarios which kind of moved fans' opinion to have him out the team. But like I say, the last last 10 games, really, again, he he's really kind of settled in. He's being probably our most influential player on the wing. 
a lot of stuff goes down that right hand side now um, for us with his link up with Yeardham. And uh, yeah, so I think you've got to give props to Sellers on that one. Reading versus Wigan Athletic, always a dramatic game <laughs> down, at, um, down at your place. I keep wanting to say the Majeski, but it's a, it's some car leasing stadium. It's, it's, it's the Majeski. It's the yeah. Majeski. Just just call it that. It's it's, it's like anywhere, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So even last season, I had then dramatic twist right at the end. How do you see Saturday going? A lot of fans are kind of in the mindset of, you know, we've got to almost win every game now because of the situation we're in. But we've started to really come on as a team. Like I say, we, we, we started to actually play like a relegated championship team and not a team that should be scrapping for relegation in League One. You always want to win your home games. But I think if if if, if you could give me a draw again, I'd be satisfied because, again, it's more points on the board. And realistically, I think for, for Reading right now, the key games are that Cheltenham away game. Um, and also Exeter on New Year's Day, which are obviously two teams that are right down there. But but yeah, ho- hopefully we can have a have a fast start. You know, look look to dominate play, have that quick kind of counter attacking football that kind of Sellers has really started to to bring in lots of one twos etc. And we can maybe look to you know kind of kick on from this good run that we've started to have. You know, one one loss in five, nothing spectacular, but it's something. It's something to build on. So uh, so yeah, but I think if you could give me a draw right now, I'd probably be happy. But but ho- hopefully they they can pull it out and. Uh, Bring out a win. Well, I'm going to push you here for a score. So come on, Matt. I'm going to say 1-1 because I think you guys, you know, you're in real well um, taking out Port Vale at the weekend aside. Um, you know, I think I think we talked about it before the game, you know, one loss in, I think it's nine or ten, you know, so not an easy game, you know. And so, yeah, I think if you could give me a 1-1, I'd be relatively satisfied. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 1-1. Thank you very much, Matt. Best of luck for the season. I hope you get your off-the-field situation sorted as soon as, because we're brothers in arms where that's concerned, so Absolutely. the best of luck. Thank you. I was enjoying the listen of the, uh, the podcast bit there, but then I was reminded that we both kind of relegated ourselves last last season and took me back to that one, which I wasn't, wasn't really wanting today, I'll be honest. But Reading, a bit of a strange season, I think they're having so far this season. They're down in 23rd right now. And obviously we've just spoke about the points deductions and, and without the minus four that they have, they would be on 19 points and they would actually be sitting above Exeter. So they would be out of the relegation zone on goal difference, I think it would be. Five wins, four draws, 12 losses, 25 scored. And when I was looking at the table, the teams from 13 down, you have two teams up there who are the top scorers and it is Wigan on 32 goals and Reading on 25 goals. So we're both scoring really, really well, but we're both obviously not, not as high up as we want to be. So maybe the points deductions are definitely showing, they're definitely off for Wigan. But Reading have conceded 35 and, and we've not conceded 35. I think we've only conceded 25. So their defence is a little bit more leaky than ours. So maybe that's something that we can take a bit of pride with. They'd lost nine games in a row in the league and then they went to Wickham and they won 2-1 on November 25th. And then they played Carlisle and I was hoping for a draw at that one because it would have helped us and it would have helped us try and clear more space the bottom bottom four but they beat Carlisle 5-1 and I think that was a result that came out of nowhere and since then they've gone without a win in the last three but they have got two draws in the last two games so like Matt was saying they are now grinding out results and that's all you can really ask for from them but I think they are definitely turning a corner now and and trying to kick on and the top players that I've got listed I've got four top players Harvey Nibs, five goals and three assists. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to mention Femi Aziz, just because of his brother, I didn't really want to mention him, but Femi Aziz, one goal, five assists. Sam Smith, four goals, but hadn't got an assist yet. And Lewis Wing, three goals and two assists. So they've definitely got some firepower, and I think that with our injury worries and 
a little bit, of, I don't want to say complacency, but whatever that was against Port Vale in the first half, I hope it doesn't show again. Whatever we're going through at the moment, Reading can certainly hurt us. I just hope that we've got enough firepower to to try and put this game out of their reach. Reading, back in the League One after 22 years, so they looked on as a relatively big side at this level. Are you surprised to see them where they are, considering they're only on minus four, and, and you know, we're on minus eight? Yeah, I mean, they've been in a mess, haven't they, to get where they are. It happens. You know, no, team, no team's got a divine right to be anywhere, have they? You've got to fight for it and earn it. You put them the points back on that they've had deducted, and they're, they're just about out of the relegation zone, aren't they? So they're still struggling. But yeah, you look at them, and they're a side that you would expect, based on, like you say, the last 20-odd years, to be up the other end of the table. Eastleigh in the FA Cup, one of the results in that little run, it was awful, that. That night, it was on TV. Eastleigh deserved, deservedly went through. I, I know uh, Renan scored a bit of a screamer. I think that was Aziz, weren't it, who scored for him that night. But they got done at the end, marking in the box, absolutely terrible. But we don't tend to... Uh, they came from a corner, didn't it? We don't tend to score from corners. I was talking to Matt. I mean, this this is an interesting point that Matt raised, and we spoke about it before. But XG's... Matt was saying that he wanted me to explain to the Reading fans how come out XG was so poor, yet we'd scored a load of goals. we got Stevie Humphreys up front. He'll shoot with either foot from wherever he feels like. You can stick your XGs where they don't care. With XG as well, what what that means is you, you can have that bit of quality, like the goals Humphreys have scored, McManaman scored, where you wouldn't expect it to be a goal, but we scored because we've got quality. So don't worry. Don't worry about XG. Worry about the points. I, th- I think with the explosion of football manager games over the years, they throw more and more different stats in, and, and it's it's a made up subjective Dar- thing. Darren Royal was was really into it, wasn't he? He was basically saying that essentially we were about eight places below what we should have been. That we did turn that round, didn't we? His defence for not sacking Paul Cook, that's what that were, weren't it? Yeah, and he were right, as me and Adam know. Me and Paul were right. You look at that XG to prove a point that you want to make. Now, the Reading fans looking at that must be looking at it thinking, we're wasting so many chances in front of goal. We're looking at it going, yeah, we're clinical. It's telling you what you already know. The stat that counts is the the goals at the end. I think one thing I do really want to praise Reading on, and it's more... One, one single person in Reading is the manager, Ruben Sellers. And look, he's not a manager that I highly rate. He's not somebody that I think that is a brilliant manager. But I think that when we look at everything that Liam Richardson did and Sean Maloney did going through administration and sticking with us and all the problems that we did, I think Ruben Sellers deserves a lot of credit as well for not jumping ship and not leaving. And he's still trying to make things work. And I think he is making things work now at Reading and, I do think they've still got a lot of fight in them. I think they they might well be safe in League One at the, come the end of the season, but I'm looking at his CV and he's been a fitness coach, going up to assistant manager, chief analyst, manager of Valencia under-18s, assistant manager of Copenhagen, and then going to Southampton and working through to manager. And then now he's, he's come to Reading and this was really meant to be, you know, he's... he's he's refounding of a project and trying to drive on and then everything that Dai Young's done and it's... It must be a really difficult job for him, but I think, no, well done, fair play for sticking it out. And yeah, I do hope that they they can navigate through this because I don't want to see anybody relegated on points difference. Right then, let's have a ref watch if you want one. The referee will be the Lancashire official, Martin Woods. 
he is in his second season in the EFL and he's refereed neither Latix nor Reading in the past. He's a school teacher by day. His card watch so far this season, Martin Woods has taken charge of 17 games and during those 17 games he's issued 58 yellow cards, three red cards and he's awarded three penalty kicks. And that's Martin Woods who will take charge of the Latics of Reading game on Saturday. So on previous occasions might surprise a lot of people, but we've actually met them 50 times down the years. The record is relatively, well, it's not relatively equal, it is equal. <laughs> we've won 19, drawn 12 and lost 19. It might well be equal after Saturday uh, as well. Uh, last 20 meetings have all come in one of the top two divisions. As Barry said earlier, we've not um, played, uh, Reading have not played in this division since 2021. Of our last 20 meetings, Latics won eight, Reading seven, and five draws. It's always eventful down there. The game I remember most recently was that 3 2 defeat where we were leading 2 1 going into injury time. And there were some ridiculous referee decisions. Go back to that podcast if you want to. If you want to explore that in more detail, uh, I guess the most attractive one for us from memory, I didn't go to the game, but I remember us in the Premier League, the relegation season, when we beat them 3 0. And um, I seem to remember Figueroa scoring a really good goal that day. I could be wrong, but I seem to recall that he broke through and scored a great goal, and they got relegated as well as us. So, um, yeah, it's not really, it's never boring when we play Reading. It's never boring. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with our brilliant contributor tonight. I, I think a draw will probably satisfy both sides. We have been drawing a few away games recently. Arguably, we should have drawn on Saturday after the comeback. I think it might be more high scoring, though, so I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. I remember that game very well, what you spoke about with the referee. One incident in there in particular where the referee had stopped play and had a drop ball and it was protocol to kick it back to the keeper and we expected that to happen. I think Sammy Marcy just let the ball go, didn't he? And they lobbed it upfield and scored a goal and there was there was much to do about nothing there going on and a lot of fuss created. Like you said, Adam, it's always eventful when we go there, aren't we? In the past, Shade Uncle's broke his leg there. Sean McDonald had that horrific injury, which basically finished his Latics career. I think, well, Shade Uncle's Latics career was finished as well, wasn't it, when it, with that broken leg he suffered? Was that one in the 3-0, Barry, the Shade Uncle one? When we won 3-0 with the Jacobs brilliant chip at the end? It was, yeah, and uh, if you remember correctly, he, he did his leg with Cedric Kipri, giving him a boot, trying to clear the ball. And last season, Charlie mentioned it earlier about the we both sides got relegated. We scored late on with Charlie Hughes, didn't we? We thought, this is it, we're going to have a, a great escape. And then they pinned us back and, we, like Adam just said, we both got relegated from the Premier League together and we both got relegated from the Championship together. Reading always remind me a little bit of, of us. They're that similar size of club, you know. You spent most of the time early doors in the bottom two divisions and the, a wealthy owner came in like we had Dave Whelan there, John Majeski. We got brand new stadiums. They financed a little bit of a rise up into the top flight. We've enjoyed it. The only difference is we won the FA Cup. I don't think they've won anything, have they? Get in there, FA Cup winners. Just on that score alone, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Latics win. That was a long-winded way around to me giving my prediction of 2-0 to the Latics, but there you go. 
It was a bit, but I agree. I think we both were two clubs that have both had our heydays, haven't we? We've both seen the success of the Premier League and enjoyed it and yeah, kind of started then to tumble down the leagues together. But I think this is going to be a really exciting game. Like I said before, with the two top scorers in the bottom 13, if you like, to, if you're going to put it that way. So I think there's this could be who blinks first. And if, if we both start to blink, it could be a bit of a free-flowing game, which... I don't really want because then you're going to turn into the Port Vale game again. I don't want to see that again. So I think that Wigan should win this one. But I think obviously it is all about how switched on they are because if they start the way they did against Port Vale, it's going to be a bit of an ugly game again. So we can't keep relying on this second half surge to get us back into the games because that's not always going to drag us out of these games. So I think for this one, I'm going to say a 3-1 Wigan win. We've got to see some sort of a reaction from Port Vale. The messages that came out after that game were all about us and how we need to be on the ball and up for it. I don't think it's going to be easy. It never is that easy. We get carried away after we put a couple of good results together. So this week is a week not to be carried away. However, I'm going to agree with Charlie and say 3-1. Just wondering what the panel thought about what the lineup would be after the first half and the second half. Do you think we'll go back to the sort of, I call it 4-3-3, I think Barry calls it something different. Will we change formation? I think Maloney likes those three up front. I, I suppose it depends who he's got at his disposal. I don't think He'll be starting with Johnny Smith for some reason. And I don't think he'll be starting without Morrison and Use playing together as a pairing yeah. at the back either. Build your team around that for yeah, me. And maybe Lee, Liam Shaw come back into the midfield, possibly. Yeah, we've looked a little bit weak at times in midfield, haven't we? Outnumbered. Now, a bit naive, but also maybe a bit jaded because, you know, they've got two players there who we didn't even expect to be near the first team squad who've probably been the mainstay of our midfield all season they're going to have periods in that season where you maybe need to take them out and give them a bit of a rest and maybe it's a decoy to put Shaw in I don't think start with McManaman as good as he was I just think he's brilliant off the bench he's the best substitute in this league by a million miles I don't really like Clare as a centre half to be honest a right centre half I don't think that works at all so if we put him back at right back we can then go fourth three three and uh, potentially put Langy maybe as a forward midfielder and then we've got I think Waikiki Waikiki could come back in as well. I think you might go five across the back but push them forwards, two midfielders and then the three up top where I would go with. But top and bottom, it's not about what formation and what personnel, it's about what attitude they go in with after Port Vale. Well, whatever happens, we'll be back on Christmas Eve. Yes, you were it right, Christmas Eve with all the reaction to the Reading game. And we'll be talking, undoubtedly, about team selection. So until then, up the six. Merry Christmas. Come on. Up the six.